Thank you, Lord Jesus. Seated, or I'll forget to tell you to sit down. <laughs> you know, the good thing about heaven is there are no seats in the throne room. <laughs> Nobody cares if you sit on the floor, lay on the floor, lay in the river, <laughs> dance in the air. In heaven, when you worship, you're caught up and you worship in the air, in the throne room. It's not, everyone say, it's not this earth. It's a supernatural place that is the Father's house. One of the first things I did learn about heaven was the world called heaven. There's a good reason why we're on a world, a round world, and that throughout the universe, all those planets are round. Everybody say round. round. Because heaven, the world called heaven, is a world. It's round. Why wouldn't he make the earth round? Why wouldn't he make it like his place if his children were going to live here? Amen? If you want to know more about heaven in the scriptures, read the book of Hebrews. It talks about it a lot. It talks about the cloud of witnesses. In the book of Hebrews, it says heaven is a country. It says it is a city. It says there's shadows of things on the earth that are actually in heaven. There's shadows of things in heaven that are on the earth. And so Hebrews talks a lot about heaven. And so does the book of John. Almost everybody knows the scripture. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't tell you. Is that right? Yes. And that he's going to prepare a place for us so we can be with him. Yes. How about that one? I, I also love this one. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor entered in the heart of man, but God has prepared for those that love him, except it be revealed by his spirit. So people who don't, don't want to believe the fact that he catches me up and shows me heaven, Holy Spirit is the one who takes me. I don't go there by myself, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm, God can catch you up without doing that, but I don't just go to heaven. I have a commission that I never ask for. How about that one? People say, how did you get that job? I didn't ask for it. I was running after Jesus Christ. I made him my number one reason to live, and everything I did was for him. And I love my husband of 37 years. Woohoo! Not looking for another in any way whatsoever. I was told by God the Father, He was the one He chose for me. There was not another one chosen for me. And I would take Him whether I wanted to or not. How about that? <laughs> What could I say? <laughs> I had already told God I'll do whatever you ask me to do, so there you go. If you said that, all I can say is get ready. Because when you give permission, it's written down in heaven. 
And you may have thought he didn't have any plans for you, he hasn't said anything. Doesn't mean he doesn't have plans, it means it wasn't the right time. So even if he gave you a vision 30 years ago, doesn't mean he's not going to do it. I don't care if you're 60, 70, or 80. He is going to do that plan, okay? He's going to do that vision he gave you, saved a lot of the best stuff for now, amen? But I was shown right away that the Father's house is not a building. Aren't you glad? I think if you made everything that ever existed, why wouldn't a world be his home? So in our Father's house are many mansions because it is a world. His house is a world called heaven. It's not a flat place in the sky. And he could do anything and have anything. It's always been his home. And he loves his home. And it's going to remain holy. That's why you have to pass through the blood of Christ to get there. There's another world called heaven. Another heaven. Good luck. Because the one you're going to hear about tonight belongs to the God of the Bible. And the reason why you have to go through the blood of his son and receive that sacrifice is because it makes you acceptable to go into heaven because it wipes away every sin you ever did in your life, no matter how bad or evil, no matter how long. It wipes it away like you never did it. He does not remember your sins. Please do not remind him of them. He will not know what you're talking about. I get emails all the time. I've repented and asked Christ to forgive me, but, but I don't think I'm going to heaven. I want you to believe in the enemy. You know, don't keep reminding God if he doesn't even know what you're talking about because he separated himself from your sins. Amen? And the reason why that is required, and this is from the Father himself, please tell people that say a loving God wouldn't send people to hell, please give them this answer from me. It is not my intention to keep people out of heaven. It is my intention to keep evil and wickedness and crime and hate and murder out of heaven forever. And the only thing that keeps it out is the blood of his son. Nothing else can wipe those sins out of your life. And he said, if I let everyone come to heaven without receiving him, then heaven would be just like the earth. It would, wouldn't it? If everybody carried all their self up there, it'd be, who wants to go to heaven and have it be like the earth? Not me. We want to have an amazing place filled with love and peace and joy and celebration and fun and adventure. All decent enough for everybody who goes to enjoy it. Everywhere you go in heaven, there's no locked gates. There's columns with gates. They're always open. When you go through another one, it's taking you somewhere new in heaven. Some amazing place to enjoy in heaven. Say amen. amen. So tonight you're going on a journey through heaven. I'm going to talk about heaven culture from a different viewpoint, from the viewpoint of somebody who lives there. And you're going to get to know what life is there, what life is like, things that they get to do, um, things that we will be doing on the earth. Everyone say, Our Father, Our Father. 
who is in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On this earth, just like it is in heaven. That's why it's going to happen. People go, how could you talk about the kingdom age? How do you know all those things are going to happen? Why would we be living heaven culture? Because you have been declaring it for thousands of years. If you've ever said that scripture, you declared and released it into the atmosphere for that time to come on this earth. So we're living in the time not to escape. You are not going to escape being great. You're here to become great for the kingdom. And you're not going anywhere until he is done with you. Say, I receive it. The reason people want to escape is because they don't know him and they do not know who they are. Because if they did, they would be tromping all over the devil. Running the darkness out of their home and out of their city. Because we have power over all the power of the enemy. No matter what it is, where it is, or what they want to do with it, they are powerless if we take power over them. That's Jesus' plan. It's not time, and I will let you know this from the Father, the rapture will not be a rescue party. The rapture will be a celebration party. Of a church without sin or selfishness, without spot or wrinkle. A glorious church, a glorious body, loving working together, celebrating, pushing back darkness, operating in the power of God like no one on the earth ever has before until they cannot bear to be without us. A rapture means to be enraptured. Look it up in the dictionary. This is not the time for that to happen because we are not that church. But it will happen. But until that time, we are supposed to occupy. Occupy does not mean sit in the hills and hide. Occupy does not mean to have a diet of sea rations. Occupy does not mean you are in fear. It means you're putting fear in the heart of the enemy. If you've ever been in the military and they say, we're going to occupy that territory, that meant you were going to have power and dominion over it, you would say what goes on there. Say, amen. Amen. Am I speaking truth? I think a lot of pastors in America need to start speaking this truth. The truth makes you free. It does not put fear in you. For we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Jesus didn't come to bring fear. He came to bring life and bring it more abundantly. So why is the body of Christ afraid? Because they're not hearing truth. 
and they don't know who they are. And it is our job in the fivefold ministry to train you to do the work of the ministry and enjoy every moment of doing it, operating in power and authority over all the darkness, and nothing by any means shall harm you. So if you're being harmed, you are not taking power over all the power of the enemy. And you need to literally say that. Don't name different parts of the enemy's army or spirits. Say, I take power over all the power of the enemy. And I lose the host of heaven into their assignment to pull down every stronghold because they are one of my weapons. He has fully supplied us. Dying on the cross to take all of the sins of all time on his body was far worse than being nailed physically to that cross. And even though he had finished that part, he wasn't done with hell. Or else he would have just gone home when he left the cross. But he didn't. He went down into hell and on the third day stood up and released the glory of God, melting the faces of the hierarchy of hell in front of their leaders, shocking and stunning them, stripping everything off of Satan that he loved and enjoyed, taking power away from him that he had over death, hell, and the grave removing every gemstone off of his being that the Father had placed on him when he made him that was his pride and glory and left him in the dust and then turned around and gave us the same power and authority. It's about time we took it. Because when you start doing it, you will not be shaken. The enemy is supposed to fear us. Remember the demons that said to Jesus, are you here to torment us before our time? And he wasn't there to torment them before their time. It is time for us to torment them. Because what Jesus did on the third day in hell, he intends to multiply by the millions in the body of Christ. And the way we will create whole regions of light is by taking our power over the enemy and literally running them out of the city because of the glory we will carry and operate in. It will be harmful and devastating to them if they remain. Tomorrow night, I will talk about regions of light that I literally was shown on this earth. How this going to happen? What does that mean? For the body of Christ, what does that mean for the darkness? He's not done with it. Excuse me. He is not done with us yet. He is not done with you yet. How many are glad you're still here? Say amen. Heaven is not some place far away, a mysterious place that would be boring to live in. Nobody walks around with robes bowing like this 
all the time, 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 all the time. You would be bored and God would be bored. We have exciting places on this earth, do we not? Beautiful places on this earth. It's only a shadow of what is up there. He made all of us different. He gave all of us different gifts. Why would heaven be boring if we're going to be there? Nothing is hidden or kept from you in heaven. You will meet the disciples and the prophets, King Solomon, King David, Adam and Eve. Woohoo! They made it. No matter what you think in your human mind, they made it. Queen Esther, Jesus, the beautiful one who shines like a million diamonds, whose eyes will consume you with passion, and then he steps on the inside of you and turns around and looks out of your own eyes. And if you didn't love him before, you will never think the same again. And no matter how much you love your family on this earth, there'll be no other love, no greater love than you have for him. In that instant, you will understand and realize the depth of his sacrifice for you, the depth of the love and the father he had for you, that he was willing to do that. If you were the only person on this earth, he would have gone through all of that just for you. There is not one person in this room right now that is insignificant to him. You are treasure. He has written your name on the palm of his hand. He wrote a scroll of all the days of your life and the wonderful things he had planned for you. He does not bring evil or sickness to you or to this earth. He came to set us free from it. He desires above all things that you prosper and exist in health on this earth. Even as your soul prospers. He has great plans for everyone in this room. And if he ever stood in front of you, you would never be the same. I have had many Many encounters with the son of the living God. There's nothing in this world or no one in this world or under this world in the seen realm or the unseen realm that I fear. I know what my commission is. He gave it to me in person. I have stood before the father's throne many, many times, walked on the streets of gold. I have gone on roads of light through the sky of heaven. I have been in the crystal sea and over the crystal sea. I have seen thousands of mansions and millions of angelic beings. And they're all excited about you. They are making plans for you now and plans when you come home one day. And no matter how much you think you love your home, when you get there, you will know you are home. 
And those of you who have family members that live there, do not feel sorry for them that they're there. <laughs> they are making plans for you too. They did not forget you. They're more in love with you now than when they were on the earth. They're literally making lists of places to take you. They're getting gifts for you and putting them in your own mansion. And when you come home, they'll throw a welcome home party for you. Every time they see something in heaven, they go, oh, man, my brother, my sister, my cousin, my best friend, they're going to love this place. This place is awesome. I can just see them doing the different things that they can do in heaven. I know they love extreme sports, and they won't even need helmets. And you can still ride bulls in the rodeos. And you'll still be thrown off, but you won't break nothing. There's amazing things to do in heaven. Because God had a plan long before you were sent to this earth. You were with him. The word says so. And Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And then another place he said, I knew you before you began to breathe. He knew his plans for you. You didn't have a physical body, but you came from him. The word says it was nothing made that was not made by him. That means everyone here was made by him. There are no aliens living in outer space. Go look in the mirror. We are the aliens. Because the word says we are not of this world. We're here for a short period of time like a vapor. It's like a vapor compared to eternity. We're supposed to trust him, love him, obey his will. Great reward comes with obedience, especially in these days on the earth. And if he's got a real divine plan for you, I would advise you to obey because he will make sure you do. If you said, yes, I'm going to do that for you, then you gave him permission. And if you don't obey, he'll shake you until you do. Because he needs you. Don't, don't believe when people say he doesn't need you, he'll find someone else. If he chose you for something, he wants you. People have actually come up and said, God had chosen five other men before he chose you. And Jesus himself said, we chose nobody but you for the commission we gave you. It had to do with my generational line, not just me, but those who went before me that paid a price with their life for the kingdom. He knew one day that somebody in that generational line would be commissioned to reveal heaven to earth, to go on unlimited tours of heaven, reveal the heart of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the spirit realm, how the demonic operates, show them the past, show them the future, and knew they wouldn't change one word because I have no opinion. I can only tell you what he showed me and what he told me or else I wouldn't be standing here. 
And so I was just blessed. I was born in the family line that he had decided to choose for something on this earth. And he made sure that he timed my birth on the earth just like he timed everybody here. He timed your birth on this earth because he had a plan for you. Do you receive that? I had to say yes. And then I had to be willing to be processed. I know a lot of you here have been processed a lot. <laughs> it will be worth it. One day in eternity, we will laugh and rejoice that we said yes. Amen? When you do something divine for him, he promised me that every one of my family members to a thousand generations would make it to heaven. And I was told that I could not run after them myself to bring them into the kingdom because I have too much to do for him. And if I stop, then I wouldn't be obeying. So I have to trust him with everybody. Amen? He made them. He wants them more than I do. Don't ever stop praying for your family members. And guess what? Your household can include friends that you love like a family. So don't ever stop praying for them either. Amen? So that was my introduction. <laughs> Except I'm going to show a couple of our products because I never do it. And he wants me to. I'm going to talk about heaven tonight. This is the best description. It was so anointed. A hundred people got saved at the end of this message. It's a real little single CD. It's called A World Called Heaven. Because I'd seen a lot over the last 17 years, 18 years. And I made one a long time ago. This was just made last year. So it has a lot of stuff on it you probably haven't heard. And we try to keep them as cheap as we can. <laughs> And this one is called, this one is so powerful. I'm going to show this one first. If I have a personal favorite, it has to be this double CD called The Supernatural. It is so powerful, I can't even sit down when I listen to it. Because everyone talks about the supernatural. What is that? What does it look like? How do I operate there? Can I live there? Who started it? What is it going to do to this earth? It answers every one of these questions on here, starting with the original supernatural called the Father and talks about how he created the physical realm by taking a scroll and stretching it around the spiritual realm and then began to place all the planets there. And in the book of Revelation, it says at the end of time, he will fold this world and the universe folded up like a garment. How can he do that? He knows where the ends are. How about that? I used to think about it all the time. Boy, that's going to be a big job, isn't it? To just, you know, he's making all things new and it's going to be fantastic because I've had glimpses of that. Woo! I get excited over everything. So this is a powerful... I tell people, if you can get one thing, get this. It's awesome. And then this one right here that he just, uh, these are my two newest ones that I have. 
And I've, I've talked about parts of them, but not all of it. There's just too much on here. This is called now. Now, that should say a lot to you. Because this is not presumption. This is not research. This is not man's head knowledge. This is what the Father himself has planned for right now. And it's not what most of the body think it is. It will get you excited. It will empower you and get you ready to be positioned to rule and reign with Christ right now. The word says we will rule and reign with him now in this world and in the times and ages to come, in the world to come. And so this is powerful. And along with that one, this one is called Invite Heaven's Army. And on the face of it is a commander of the royal guard. This is a real angelic being. This is not something we photoshopped. They're real. Trust me, they are real. And if you don't see them in your house now, after this meeting, you will. Because they will follow you home. And even my family members. Remember what Jesus said? You are without honor in your own home. <laughs> no one in my house asks me questions about heaven ever. They want to know when the dishes are going to be washed, when the food is going to be ready, when the laundry will be done. They don't want to know about the royal guard riding on the roads of light, <laughs> singing with the uh, whales and dolphins in the crystal sea, the sky mansions, passionate paradise, the valley of the falls, where you jump down 200-foot waterfalls. Woo! No, they don't ask that. I understand Jesus. When his family came to get him, how many people remember when Jesus was ministering and someone came and said, Jesus, your mother and your sisters and brothers are outside asking for you. How many people know this in the word? Let me see your hand. You should know. It's in the word. Because they were ready for his ministry to end. They wanted him to come back home, not because they were amazed at his miracles. They weren't moved by his miracles because he did them at home all the time. How do you think he practiced? He turned the water into heaven's wine all the time. He multiplied the food all the time. None of them were ever sick. And now here they were left without him. They wanted him back. But he turned to those people and said, you are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, because he was being given to them. And they wanted to know. <laughs> so this is really powerful. It talks about part of our team is the army of heaven. And that may sound strange to you, but they have always fought on your behalf. You just didn't see them. But they are literally one of our weapons. They are not defending heaven. Say amen. I would like to see any human run into heaven. How many know the scripture? 
From the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You want revelation on that? I'll give it to you. It's surprising. From the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven causes and encourages violence through ruling and reigning against the spiritual darkness and you, the violent, take by force from the enemy what rightfully belongs to you. Now that makes sense. Because if you read the translations on the scripture, some of them say the kingdom of heaven is being attacked by men. And it's being robbed. I looked up 50 translations. They told me I had to. And I could not believe how they interpreted that scripture. And then the Holy Spirit said, this is the revelation on the scripture. I went, that makes sense. You are the violent, spiritually violent against the darkness. And you take back what belongs to you by ruling and reigning with the power that Jesus gave you. Amen? So these are very, very powerful. All of these are uh, individual revelations, very focused revelations. I have a lot of others back there. But these are the ones I think are so significant. Um, I'll give them to my husband. My captain. My captain who loves to fish and I don't. <laughs> if you've seen all the YouTube videos, you know I do not like seafood. And I have no plan to eat it in heaven. <laughs> But it's there if you want it. Amen? Let's stand up for just a second. And we're going to welcome heaven. Haven't, haven't done this in a while, but I love to do it. It's called honor. Heaven culture, one of the number one things in heaven culture is honor. Is something the body of Christ needs a huge dose of. Because if we honored one another, we wouldn't be biting <laughs> and accusing and trashing and bashing because we don't all believe the same, and yet we say we love the same one who made all of us. The devil doesn't need to use the world to get us to fight. He uses us to fight each other. You know why? Because he's terrified that you might turn around and start fighting him. If we stop warring with the flesh and know each other by the spirit and use our spirit man to discern and respond in the spirit, it will bring life to you and destruction to the enemy. So spirit realm boot camp is coming. So let's look up and say, Father, this night I yield to you. I lay down my plans, my opinions, my assumptions, and I choose your will. I open myself to Holy Spirit, whom I want to become my best friend. If I have not received him already, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to move into me and take over.
I invite you, host of heaven, to come into this meeting tonight. And by the way, thank you for protecting me, for fighting on my behalf. I invite you to come and be part of my team. And Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, if I have not asked you into my heart this moment, I surrender everything. And I choose you, not the enemy. I'm ready to kick butt and zap bam. The kingdom of darkness. Woohoo! You can sit down. You probably said things you never thought you'd say. Now, I know when people are really going to battle, they all have war cries. Down through the ages, they always had war cries. That is the host of heaven war cry. That's why I go, woohoo! You know why? Because they are so going to enjoy their self destroying the works of the enemy. That is their number one reason that they're here. They were made and created by God the Father to fight against the evil armies who are controlling people and places and things on this earth. And when you take power over them and strip that away and loose the host on them to pull down all the strongholds they've been building for thousands of years, they can't go, oh, no, we don't want to do that. They are going to be wasted. And while you're at it, ask them to throw them into a dry place and tell them you sent them. Oh, I tell the host, tell them I sent you. I'm a manifested daughter of the Most High God. I have a right and a commission from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to do that. It's called authority. So if you ever wondered if you have it, if you belong to Jesus, he gave it to you when you received him. Amen? We have seen healings. We've seen deliverance. We've seen whole families restored. We've seen all kinds of things uh, given back to people that were stolen by the enemy. This is a time on this earth for restoration, mass restoration. Not rescue. Restoration to set you up. And you probably don't even think about what the scripture means but to handle the wealth of the wicked. Because the wicked have more than we do. They've been saving it for us. If you think God doesn't like money, he created it to be used as a tool. And most of his leaders in the Old Testament were the wealthiest people in the area. It's true. The people who hold the purse strings get the key to the city. 
In the Old Testament, whoever were the wealthiest people got a key to the city. They sat in the governmental seat and had a say over things in that city. There'll come a time in this world when the non-believers come to the believers for financial help. And the governments will come to the financial believers for advice. I saw it. It's going to be shocking to hell. Because that's not their plan. Their plan is to keep you poor, broke, depressed, and crushed down. But there's nothing they can do to stop God's plan. All of heaven is talking about this powerful manifestation of heaven on earth, of the miraculous and the power of God being taken around this world. They're not talking about get ready for everyone to move here. They're not. They're not talking about that. And when Jesus is ready, when the Father says it's time because he doesn't get to choose, how many people know Jesus doesn't get to choose? The time is only in the Father's hand. And he is doing this before that ever happens. Because he's not going to leave a sick, weak, pathetic testimony of the price his son paid for us. You need to read Romans 8 about the manifested sons and daughters. It says, even as we walk in the glory, the very earth itself will be healed. The land, the air, the water. The earth is in travail. That's the time we're in. The earth is in travail for the manifested sons and daughters to st stand up and do something about this mess. And if he took us all out, who would do it? And I am not talking about the millennial age, which some people think. Jesus will not need anybody's help in the millennial age. He will sit on the throne of Jerusalem for 1,000 years, and there will be no war. He is not going to need us to manifest for him. He needs it now, right now. And he loves to do things in the midst of the worst darkness because light blinds the darkness. Amen? So I'm going to read the forward to this book. This is the first book he had me write. And this little book took two years for me to write. It's not very big on purpose. He didn't want it huge. Okay? You can read it in one sitting. Most people do. They can't put it down. It gives revelation of that wonderful, beautiful place called God's house. It talks about what happens to you from the moment you die and your spiritual body steps outside of your physical body. What does it feel like? What do you see? What do you experience? What's it like on your journey to heaven? What happens when you get there? That's what you're going to hear tonight. I know because he took me and he showed me. Amen? It talks about some of the testimonies of the evidence that he gave to be put in this book that nobody can deny. I'm glad you're laughing at the enemy. You know, all of heaven is laughing so loud right now, I'm trying to focus. All the hosts in this room are laughing outrageously. That's why they're laughing. They're laughing because they know it's true. 
And Satan right now is so trying to convince everyone that he has taken over this world and there's no hope and there's no help and help is sitting right in these chairs. And that goes for every believer around this world. He actually expects us to enjoy taking power over all the power of the enemy. Because the hosts have been waiting for a very long time to really fight on our behalf. And if we totally ignored our own army and pretended that they weren't there or acted like they weren't there, that wouldn't be very pleasant, would it? We have a whole army, greater than any army or all the armies on this earth, made to war. They are not pretty boys with harps and blonde curls. They are terrifying to look at. He had to put something on the inside of me so I could look at them. And in my third book, you're going to see about 10 pictures of what some of the hosts look like. You're going to see a picture of the human soul. You're going to see that scene on the third day in hell. It's going to take me a while to write it. Be patient. It's going to have 25 illustrations. It'll be worth waiting for. This is a powerful book. It's not mine. It belongs to him. This is not my home yet, but it is his house. It are not, it's not my words. It's his words. I didn't even pick the chapter titles. They picked them. <laughs> and the whole time, the father has never stopped talking to me from the day I said yes to him. I've had a lifelong relationship with the Lord. At 18, the Holy Spirit became my best friend. I'm 63 years old. I know some things. I've only had a 12th grade education, but I can tell you how the ice age formed and the land masses split. I know about quantum physics. I don't even understand the word, but I know what goes on in the spirit realm, how we travel to and fro. I even know how Jesus cloaked himself. And he walked through the bodies of the people, not in between them. The spiritual realm supersedes the physical realm. That's why those angels can walk right through these walls. That's why some people recently who've been in accidents, they engage in the spirit realm and the trucks go right through their car and they can see them as they go through. And no harm is done to them. And policemen have witnessed it. It's only the beginning of what he's going to do. There'll be a time on this earth and everybody knows there is a God. And the gray area will be erased. And the foreword to this book that he gave me back in 2005 was delivered by two scribe angels, because how many people know God does use angels as messengers? 
He always did and he always will. And so this is what he said to write as the forward to the book. To him who sits upon the throne, we give praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. These are the scribe angels speaking. That he would desire to reveal his home in the heavens to the men of the earth. Rejoice, O earth, rejoice, for heaven is about to kiss you. And when it does, the fire of his passion will consume every living being. He will forever leave his mark on the hearts of millions, and they shall come to know him as their savior. Be thankful, citizens of earth, that you are living in this day and hour when the glory of the Lord will cover this whole earth. How magnificent in his ways, how mighty in his acts is the hand of him who sits upon the throne. In eternity, they shall sing about these days, the great and powerful days before the end comes. I'm just trying to turn the page. <laughs> this definitely didn't come from my heart. I, re- I already know what it said. All things will be shaken, and all things will be restored. How about that? The time he's talking about right here is not the perilous times. When things are shaken that time, millions will die, and it will be a very dark time. But he just said, all things will be restored to and through God's faithful believers. Prepare, O enemies of the Most High, to be made his footstool. None shall escape his glory, and there shall be no place to hide from his light. And then they had to talk about me. (laughs) He who has chosen this handmaiden, See, I had to lay down my life to reveal the hidden things, the precious things, and the treasures stored up in his heaven for those who love him and love the coming of him. We, his faithful scribes, created by him in the beginning to serve in his celestial realm and to record the words of those we are sent for and to deliver and release his messages to those whom he trusts, are grateful to be a part of his divine plan in revealing heaven. Prepare you faithful ones whom have stood under much warfare and devastation of the enemy. Prepare to receive great reward now in this lifetime and in the glorious life to come. You are about to see the power of your God released. And you will (laughs) truly know that he is in control. Behold, his fire comes to blaze across this world and into the hearts of men to push back. You notice it's a process. The fire will go into the hearts of men (laughs) who will push back the great darkness. (laughs) And he will claim his creation back to himself. Prepare men and women of God. This is serious. Those who watch over the souls of their congregations to yield to Holy Spirit when asked to lay down your plans, a man's plans, and allow him to take control during this hour. For those who yield, there should be great increase of anointing in your ministry. For those who refuse to yield, your place shall be given to another, and some will even sleep early. 
that does mean what you think it means. Prepare your hearts, for he must first visit his leaders. It says that in the word. And then his church body. Will you all be able to stand and carry this glory, or will you be exposed by its coming? The bowls before the altar are tipping, and the veil of flesh has been torn. Nothing or no one can stop what is about to happen. Manifestations of his power through signs, wonders, and the miraculous will happen everywhere. No buildings will be able to contain them. He will no longer be put in a box, nor will he wear any man's tag. But he will unite his true body of believers, and the world will know them by their love for each other. Prepare to hear a new sound, the sound of heaven. This is a glimpse into eternity. Prepare to read. Prepare to be forever changed. Prepare people of earth, for God is revealing heaven. Amen, amen, and amen. A prophet told me probably about 12 years ago or so that um, he just walked by me. I was always the one who was on the floor of the church trying to get up. And, and he was stabbed, and he was a non-staff prophet. He walked by and pointed at me and said, there's two angels coming to you who are going to share many things to you, and you need to make sure you write down every word they say. I just read what he prophesied to me over those many years ago. And he said, I know you've already had some visit you, but these are new ones you haven't seen before. So make sure you write down everything they say to you. And I did, because I just read it to you. So that was just fulfillment of prophecy because God is always very faithful that if he's going to choose you for something, he reveals things to you and lets you know things in advance. And yes, he did tell me that one day I would be standing before many people revealing heaven and the first part of my commission and the second part I would be creating heaven and putting it in the marketplace. It's part of his plan to reveal heaven to this earth it's about things in the marketplace that have never been there before because he's tired of nothing but witchcraft being offered. It doesn't matter. It's in clothing. It's in accessories for your home. It's in children's games, on their lunch boxes, on their backpacks, on their clothes. It's written on the walls of buildings. So he's going to offer them heaven. Amen? It's going to create millions of jobs for people, for his believers, because he's going to give you many witty ideas and inventions to put in that marketplace that represent heaven. Amen? So this is a powerful time on the earth. It's, it's, not, it's not time to want to get out of here. People need to be free from fear. Amen? Let's stand up and declare something. We're going to speak to the body of Christ. Everybody turn around and face the camera. This is going to the world. <laughs> Say, body of Christ. Body of Christ. Wake, up, Wake up. Unpack. unpack. Leave, the Leave the fear behind. Run your race, Run your race. with the host of heaven. And get your crown on. on. Woohoo! (laughs) 
You can sit down. Um, there was just a very powerful deposit made in your own soul right now. The reason why he wants you to declare things is every time you say it, it goes in your soul. You're feeding your soul truth. You're feeding your soul the life of God, the plans of God, the ways of God, and the thoughts of God. That's how you get them. You don't get it by feeling it full of doom and gloom and cursing and judging. Guess what your soul's going to do? The same thing. It's going to go after more doom and gloom. It's going to talk about it, share it, repost it, proclaim it, declare it. And God is not listening to any of it. But he knows that your soul will never prosper if you don't stop doing that. Because when your soul prospers, you will prosper and be in health. Amen? So I'm going to start just by sharing um, about heaven. I, I don't want to run late because I know some of you have church in other places tomorrow. So I'll talk maybe, maybe an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And then tomorrow night, we're going to really get some powerful stuff. Okay, but you have to have a revelation of heaven. How many people is the first time you've ever heard me speak? Can I see your hand? Well, see, there's quite a few. That's why he's having me do it. And I know a lot of you have heard me on YouTube, but I have stuff I have never told anybody. I mean, if you go, I don't go once a year. He took me nonstop every day and then several times a day and then sometimes all day. So I am a warehouse, a revelation of heaven. I can't draw you a map, but I can give you great detail of places in heaven. And none of them were boring. Even children live an exciting life in heaven. You know what they're doing if they're five or older? They get their own hoverboard to go all over heaven on their own. But they're always with friends. They can't get lost. They can't get hurt, and they're not going to be afraid. Even little tiny babies this big that play in the nurseries go out, and God made places for them to go play in heaven. The babies play pond where they swim under the water with the goldfish. They ride on the turtles, play patty cake with the bunny rabbits. The kangaroos put them in their pouches and take them for hoppy rides. I have been in one of the nurseries. There's many. There's not one massive one. They're not like in a warehouse. It's like their little home until somebody close enough to the parents makes it there, and then they go and get them. So if you have a baby in heaven and your mother is there, your mother has that baby. And there's no all-night feedings and no diaper changes. I was sharing this with some woman, and she stood up and said, I have five in heaven. I don't even want to think about trying to take care of them. I said, you won't have to. They're already laughing, playing, singing, and dancing. You know, you're not. It's just the enjoyment of seeing them grow very slowly, 
They will still be exactly what God made them to be, whatever gift he gave them. They will become that gift and use it in heaven. Like a dancer or a soloist or an artist or run rodeos. <laughs> a chef like Pizza Joe who has a pizza place in heaven that makes pizzas the size of the tables. And you turn the table with all your friends to get your slice of pizza. No weight gain, no food allergies. No lactose intolerant people in heaven. You don't just see the food and smell the aromas. You see the aromas. And you follow them down the streets of gold to see where they came from. Isn't that exciting? God had a plan, and he caught me up one specific time and said, I'm going to show you how heaven operates, and I did not have a clue what that meant. And, and after seeing it, it's like, wow, why didn't we think of that? Of course he would do that. He gave everyone here a gift. You are a gift to this world. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. He made you special. He put something special inside of you. It's your passion. Whatever it is you love the most, and if you could do it and make a living, you would be doing it. It's not necessarily your hobby, and it's certainly not your job. Don't worry, you don't get jobs in heaven. You get to use your gift no matter what that is, if you're a builder, if you're a designer, if you're an um, event coordinator, if you like to have rodeos, go on uh, horse treks up into the mountains of spices, if you're a football player, oh, if he's quiet, all the guys should be yelling. Every sport is in heaven except the physical contact ones because you would be wasting your time. You can't hurt people. You can't knock them down. <laughs> but all, excuse me, all the sports are in heaven and they're played as worship. Down here, sports make it about the player. Is that true? They say they have a team, but you always hear about these special ones, right? The ones who get the big bucks. It's really about them because you're not really a team if you don't have them. That's not like it is in heaven. The entire team is important. But you can throw that football a lot further, and everybody could jump on you. You could throw them all off. The scoreboard has three places for the score. One for each team. And above them is Jesus' scoreboard. And the points go to each team, and they go from the team to Jesus. And the reason why the competition is so great is they want to make the most points for Jesus. They want to win for him. And they yell that, win for him. And all of your family members will sit in the stands, including your guardian angel, and they all do the wave. 
and they shout and yell and have more fun. And, you know, I don't really care about football. I don't understand it. Puts me to sleep. I'm sorry. My husband took me to a game. If you've never heard me talk about that, took me to a game. And the only reason why I remember it was the Rams was because I thought they had the prettiest helmets. And he spent hours explaining every play to me, and I was waiting for the cotton candy and the hot dogs. I went for the food. And at the end of this wonderful, powerful game, he said, what did you think about that? And well, you know what? That one team had the ugliest uniforms. But didn't you like the way the gold just glinted on the Rams' helmets? <laughs> it was the last game he took me to. <laughs> So all you who enjoy sports, love sports, play sports, ever wanted to play sports, you will get to do it in heaven, but you will do it for one reason, and that is to win for him. So sports are played in heaven as worship. Isn't that amazing? I think they should do that down here. <laughs> God had a plan, and this is what he said. He said, your gifts are without repentance, and they are irrevocable. He didn't say that to be mean. He said that because he had a plan for your gift. And that was when you leave this earth and go to heaven, your entire mansion and all of your property is designed around that gift, and you get to use it for everyone in heaven for free. Everything is given to you. You don't buy anything in heaven. There's not money in heaven. Everything is given to you. It's the best of the best. So if you teach dance, you get studios and a performing center. If you have rodeos, you get stables of horses and bulls who aren't going to, you know, bite people. Well, they buck a lot, but it won't hurt. And they were, they were actually created just for you to have. You own them. You don't have to give them any kind of maintenance. You don't have to give them all those shots you have to give. You don't have to, you know, fix their hooves. You can tell I know a lot about them, right? But and all the tact you need, and people love to go to those events. If you're an artist, you get a whole gallery. You get a studio with every supply you need, whether it's stained glass, fine art, whether it's with fabrics. It doesn't matter. Whatever kind of art you do and create with, you get a whole studio. Then you get a gallery to show all your stuff. Then you give it away to people when they come in there. How do you think you get gifts? Everywhere you go in heaven and visit, you take a gift. And when you get there, they have one for you. The gift giving doesn't stop when you go to heaven. It increases. Aren't you excited? If you always want to have your own restaurant because you have the best barbecue sauce in the South, we got good barbecue, y'all. And everyone told you, man, you should bottle the stuff and sell it. I promise you, you got a barbecue restaurant in heaven. And you don't even have to advertise. They will hunt you down to come and eat your amazing food. And you have people that work there that their gift is to serve and they love to do it. Amen? Put your reservations in. <laughs> the ice cream scoops are huge. About the size of grapefruits. I know I was taken to an ice cream parlor. He knows what I like. A pizza parlor and an ice cream parlor I was taken to. 
And I'm putting my reservation in reservation in for Pizza Joe's. I keep saying, don't forget to put me down now. I'm going to be there. When I get there, I'm going to eat that pizza. Right next door is the ice cream parlor because I like to eat them together. There are hair salons in heaven because those people have a gift. It's quite evident because it's on my head. I did not do this to myself, okay? I wouldn't look like this. I wouldn't go out in public if I had to color my own hair. I go to an amazing salon. She has an amazing gift, and God uses it so that I look really good for y'all. It's his fault because he chose the pink hair. I did not choose the pink hair. It's pink because it's heaven culture. They have salons where they color your hair with light. Say, wow. In heaven, they paint with light. Artists paint with liquid pools of colored light. And when they paint artwork and hang it up, the scene comes to life. If you're an artist, you have an amazing future in heaven. Isn't that awesome? If you like to fish, my husband will be Peter's new best friend. I've seen Peter, and every time I've seen him, he is fishing. That wasn't just a job to him. That was his gift, and he loved it. So that's why your gifts are irrevocable, because he's going to use them in heaven. Maybe you don't know what your gift is. You've been so busy working all of your life. He's going to make sure you know what it is. And for the first time in the history of this world, many believers, because of your witty ideas, using your gift will be put in the marketplace. Say, I receive it. Nobody wears glasses. Nobody is handicapped. Nobody is bald. <laughs> Amen. It's an amazing place to be. I mean, your family members are so enjoying themselves. And, the, and my favorite place to be in heaven is the throne room of God. And you know, John talked about that when he was caught up. What I love about the Father is John himself, in the book of John, said that you cannot see the face of God and live because he hadn't seen it yet. But he chose him in the book of Revelation, to be caught up, and he saw him face to face. He wouldn't have known about the rainbow. He's not talking about Jesus. In the book of Revelation, in Revelation 4, John is not talking about Jesus. Jesus' symbol is not the rainbow. The rainbow has always been the Father's symbol, and it always will be the Father's symbol. It flows in and out of his being in waves, and it goes all the way from the top. It disappears into the ceiling of the throne room, all the way down into the floor of the throne room. It's his glory. It's captivating. Sometimes he takes a piece of that rainbow and throws it, and it goes around heaven to find somebody. It wraps itself around them and brings them back to the Father because he wants to see you. So the rainbow is his symbol. Jesus has his wounds in his hands and his feet, the piercing in his side, in his forehead. I've seen all of them. 
You can put your whole hand in his side. And the, and the wounds on his wrist are really huge because, it, you know, his flesh tore when he was on that cross. People think they're right here, but they're actually right here uh, because it had to be put right here by the wrist in order to hold him on there. But you can put your whole finger all the way through his wounds. But all he does is smile at you. Children run after him. The animals run after him. Everything in heaven worships him. The trees wave their branches. The water in the crystal sea comes up and it has a face and it begins to shout praises to the son of the living God. Everyone in heaven worships. When you begin to worship, you're caught up and ride on your praise across the sky of heaven. And everyone, you see streams of people going into the throne room. As you worship anywhere in heaven, you're caught up and you ride across the skies and it always ends into the throne room. This is awesome. This is heaven culture. Everyone wants to help each other. Remember the scripture that said to be the greatest of all, you'll be the least of all, the servant of all. Remember that? The elders are not always on their throne because they're out in heaven wanting to serve you. People hold events all the time on their property and everyone wants to help them whatever help they need to do things with or whatever. Everyone is so, so their whole servant's heart wants to help and they want to encourage people, not from sadness, not because you go through trials in heaven, but everybody wants to do something for you. Elijah will show up at your door. The apostle Paul will show up at your door. How about that? Queen Esther, King David, a lot. King David puts you in his own chariot and takes you on tours of heaven. It's an amazing place. Think of all the gifts we have that we use on this earth and think of them in heaven in the most amazing, detailed way. And you don't have to pay anything. Say amen. No mortgage payment. No electric bill. Nothing's going to break down or wear out. Your clothing makes music. It changes colors. For those who can't make up your mind, your clothing changes colors. You get more than a robe and a gown. You get a wardrobe room in your mansion. There's so many things to do. The Father gives you many, many precious things. Some are, some are garments of praise that are his own songs. And when you wear that garment, everyone in heaven, when you walk past him, hears the Father singing off of your clothes. Those are some of the rewards we get when we get to heaven. Isn't that beautiful? But living heaven culture on this earth is going to be similar to the way they live in heaven. Those who are part of the kingdom, who choose the kingdom, remember the scripture, seek Ye first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness sake, and all these things shall be added unto you. So if you need something in your life, choose his plans for you in the kingdom. Pursue that. Pursue that, whatever he wants. And ask him. Ask him. Seek him. He'll tell you what it is. Number one is to rule and reign. So in heaven, heaven on this earth is going to be fantastic. There'll be things invented that were never on this earth before. 
uh, good part of the body who's operating in the kingdom will actually really love each other and the world will know something's really happened because they're not fighting anymore. That's going to be a newsflash, isn't it? <laughs> These churches are actually working together. I saw a time on the earth when they had parties out in front of churches and blew up their denominational signs. And they put a cross there instead. Because they so got the kingdom. And in heaven, everyone is treated like family. No one is a stranger. No one is rejected. No one is ever alone. You'll be wishing you had alone time. Because when you get to heaven, your family will move in with you for a while. Oh, trust me, they will. They've been waiting a long time to see you. And you'll have enough rooms in your mansion for everybody to have their own. They'll probably never sleep, so that means you'll be up with them all the time. Heaven culture is amazing. They honor one another. They truly love one another. They help support everybody. Everybody cares about one another. That's the way it's going to be on this earth. In the part of the body that embraces what the Father wants. There'll be some that will sit on the wayside and watch it happen, and then there'll be those who make it happen. Say, I want to make it happen. Because you bless the heart of the Father when you choose what he wants. Amen? Another thing I already shared a little bit was that your gift, that's your passion, he's going to absolutely give you witty ideas uh, that are going to be made around that gift that you have whether it's delicious things to eat and you can offer it in ways never offered before and images never offered before and taste never tasted before. And all it takes is the right thing. And you know, if you put it on the internet, it is goes viral. And he on purpose, on purpose, God, who made this world plans to let the believer stand out in the marketplace on purpose, we will actually create jobs for people in this world. Say amen. And so that's going to be something new. It's not like you're going to have to have some drudgery job that you can't hardly stand to go to. Start thanking him for what he's doing in your life. That shows that you're believing him. Okay? He wants you to be an entrepreneur. He really does. He wants you to be one. He told me he's going to have millions and millions of entrepreneurs in the body of Christ, and the world's going to run after your stuff because he wants to prosper you. Say, it takes money to reveal the kingdom. We need money to live in this world. Even though you don't need it in heaven, he's going to make sure there's plenty in the body of Christ, and they'll be the ones making the movies Amen? Ones that everybody can go and see but still be amazed, intense, exciting, fun, revolutionary, amazing scripts are asking for God to download them into you because Hollywood is looking for that stuff right now. They're looking for anything about God, anything about heaven. It really, God has really taken over Hollywood. And some of those movies will be sequels in the spirit realm realities about battles of the host of heaven and the demonic. 
And if you talk about your hair being stained up on your head, <laughs> the real stuff is a lot more intense and exciting than what they have in this natural world. Amen? So he has many different things. There'll be a new way, new fuels created and put in the earth, new ways of transportation, um, many cures. Number one, a cure for cancer. Cancer will not exist in this world. Think how much that'll change life, just that by itself. Amen? He's about to put heaven's economy in the hands of the believers. Amen? And many of us will actually work together, doing projects together, just like they do in heaven. It's heaven culture. Say it's heaven culture. We will be the leading edge in the fashion industry, in the arts and entertainment industry, in the science industry, in the business industry, in the political arena, whatever is God is going to have us be above the others on purpose. And instead of people rejecting you and not liking you, God said it will be popular on this earth to have a believer as your friend. Say, it doesn't look like that now, but it will. Heaven culture is everybody's your friend. They want to be your friend. They want to know you. And that's the way God's going to change it. Say, God is in charge of this earth. He made it. He made us. And he gave it to us. Say, his will. His way. Not ours. Not the man's. Or the enemy. Amen. I need to show some of the pictures real quick. Um, go ahead and put the portal up there. I'm going to show some of the heaven illustrations first. Oh, you have it. Okay. That is a place that really exists in heaven. It's part of our cloud of witnesses that watches from heaven. Maybe some of you didn't know that, but a witness is somebody who can see and hear. Say amen. They're watching your race. They don't miss any of your birthdays. On your birthday, all of your family members go there, look down to earth. They can see you. They sing happy birthday to you. They go and get a gift and go put it in your mansion. So every year you have been apart, when you go home to heaven, there will be a gift there to represent your birthday. Because they don't forget you. Isn't that beautiful? They never miss a family member being born again. Everyone has seen it. Everyone sees all the babies being born. They're there at all the weddings. Isn't that exciting to know that they weren't left completely out of your life? They know your family members' names. They know your children's names. They get gifts for them. Put them in your mansion. They visit your babies who are living in heaven. They visit your pets who have gone to heaven. How many people are happy your pets go to heaven and shout amen? amen? That's why he takes them. And you can argue all you want to. I have pictures of pet portals looking down from heaven. He started giving them to me two years ago when I was in California. It was shocking. He said, put your cell phone up there and take that picture of that cloud bank. I didn't know what it was. He said, now look at it. And I was freaking out. There was a cat 
There was a dog with a fish on his head, a poodle with a fish on his head. I saw horses in that picture. I saw rabbits in that picture. I saw a pig. People don't like that. Too bad if you have a pet pig, your pig is going to heaven. They're not going to eat the pork. <laughs> they probably have bacon made out of light, though. I promise you bacon is not being left out of heaven. I saw a seal in that picture, and I, the first place I went to, I showed it, people were screaming. They were screaming, okay? Because people in California love their pets. And a lot of them got saved because God took their pets to heaven. If he can use a donkey, he can use their pets. Then he started giving me all kinds of pictures of them. Sometimes I see them over my house looking down. I went, I don't know where your owner is, but hello. <laughs> They've taken over your mansion. And I have news for you. When you get to heaven, they will talk to you. If you've got a dog that never stopped barking, maybe you can get some earplugs. Because that dog is not going to stop talking because that's what he was trying to do to you down here. The father told me that in the Garden of Eden, before sin came in, all the animals talked. They all communicated with Adam and Eve. That's why they didn't think it was strange when the snake talked to them. Let's have one crawl up next to you and have it talk to you. What do you think you'd do if you weren't used to that? It doesn't say they wanted to kill it, but maybe they should have. So your pets go to heaven because you love them. And in the book of Genesis, when the father was talking to Noah, he said, I want you to put all the animals who have a spirit of life in them on the ark. Do you know what the spirit of life is? It's your spiritual body. When he made Adam in the Garden of Eden, he leaned over and it says he breathed the spirit of life into Adam's body and he became a living soul. So how about that? When your pet dies, your own angel carries your animal's spiritual body up to heaven. It's still them. They know who you are. I hope you're treating them nice. Amen? A lot of people, I've met so many people, they were not believers, and they found out that they cried. They received Christ. One of them even was going to take their life because they were on drugs. They only had one dog that belonged to them. It was the only thing that ever loved them on this world. And her dog died. And she was going to end her life. And someone told her that I had seen pets in heaven, and she emailed me. She said, I only have one question. Did this God take my dog to heaven? Because if he did, I want to know him. And I answered, and I said, not only did he take your dog to heaven, if you receive him, your dog will be waiting to spend eternity with you. And I heard from her later. She threw herself on the floor of her home. She received Jesus Christ as her Savior. All the addictions were instantly taken from her body. She was a recording artist. She had stopped singing. She started singing again, and she came to my meeting in Santa Maria, California, and gave her testimony on the platform. So if you don't think it matters... It does matter to God. 
Amen. She saw the love of God in a way that maybe other people didn't think about it, but to her it was the only thing she ever loved in her life. And this is what God said. Why wouldn't the animals go? They didn't sin. And he said, if you don't think they go, how many animals did I put on the ark and how many humans did I put on the ark? That's a big percentage, isn't it? He knows how to answer questions. Trust me. He does a good job of it. I went, well, he had me even go look up the scripture in Genesis so I could see that. And he told Noah, put every animal in the ark that has a spirit of life in him. And I went, really? I knew pets were in heaven, but I didn't, I didn't really think that they, they had a spiritual body. You know, I thought maybe he recreated them or something. He goes, no, that's them. I've taken them to heaven when they die. Amen? I've seen all my pets in heaven from the time I was a little girl. Two mice we had in New York City in the apartment. You weren't allowed to have pets, but they weren't pets. They were residents. <laughs> they were already there living when we moved in. So we just let them stay. And then we taught them to climb up on the curtain rod and jump on our shoulder that worked really well to you at guest. <laughs> and they would jump on our shoulder. <laughs> you use what you got, people. When you got a tribe of kids, you don't want to buy a lot of pets, but if they come with the house, you just keep them. <laughs> Heaven culture is highlights in your hair. You express yourself more than you ever did on this earth. And God loves color because he is the one, remember, that created the rainbow. He created color. That's why he made us all different. He does not mind colored hair, but you cannot go get your hair colored. If you're underage and you're living at home, wait till you get out on your own and then go to town. Because it is coming mainstream in the body of Christ first, and then the secular world. Won't well, that shock them? It's heaven culture. If people ask you, say, it's heaven culture on earth as it is in heaven. I'm getting highlights in my hair. <laughs> and one day, you know, people now say, well, I, I wouldn't be able to keep my job. Or my boss would fire you. He said, well, in the future, the boss you go to be interviewed will have more highlights in their hair than you do. Because it's going to go mainstream. It's heaven culture. Heaven's coming to the earth. Amen? I'd rather have mine done with light than have enough foil to contact Mars and my hair. But you know what? It's all natural now. They've got all natural stuff they can use now. They don't have to use the chemicals anymore. Isn't that awesome? It's already started. It's not even chemicals anymore. Awesome. Hey, guys, you could use some highlights too. <laughs> it makes a great witnessing tool. Amen? Let's go ahead and put the transport up there real quick. I'm just going to start showing uh, pictures because I know my time is running out. Is this okay? Yeah. Um, this is a transport. It's one of the ways they catch you up to heaven. A lot of people say when they, they started to die, but God wasn't ready, so he didn't actually let them leave, but they saw a light. You've heard that many times over. They saw a bright light coming to get them. It was probably one of these transports. And they have bright lights on the bottom, and in the spirit realm, you would see it very vividly. And many times when your loved ones are about to go home, about a week before, they can start seeing family members. They can start seeing glimpses of heaven. 
or they can hear them talking to them saying, come on, it's time to go. We're waiting on you. Sometimes they have glimpses of angels in the room, sometimes even Jesus. Kiss them goodbye because mostly they're going to go, especially if they're up there saying, come on. <laughs> and if your grandma ever goes at 90, don't you dare call her back. Because when you step out of that body, you look like you're in your 20s. And they are not going to want that old wrinkled body back. You feel filled, you are filled with the life of God. Wave after wave of the love of God begins to consume your being. And I know they say there's peace, but it's beyond even your understanding. The peace around you, because at that point, there's no evil around you. You've stepped into a new realm, the realm that has heaven pouring down on you. There's no evil. There's no fear. You excitement, expectancy rises up on the inside of you. For the first time when you step out of your body, you see your guardian angel waiting to escort you home in a chariot, in a transport, in a Harley with hyperdrive. I've seen two people leave that way, and Jesus was riding with them. Say, why not? My brother expects to have one. One of my brother's friends passed away, and God allowed me to see him. And, he, and my brother said he knows that my brother's one of the biggest seeders I know. He seeds all the time. He seeds, builds motorcycles and seeds them into ministries. So I know he has a huge probably place filled with them. Whatever you want to call it, wherever you keep, they're going to be kept. He's got a lot of them. And when he knew his friend had gone, he said, I bet you anything he's in there messing with my bikes. <laughs> And he was right because the Lord gave me a message and I saw his friend. There are trails of light in the unknown universe where bikers go and skateboarders go and they get to ride on these beautiful places to the universe on these roads of light. And that's, I saw his friend riding one of his motorcycles. <laughs> and Jesus said, he's only borrowing it. <laughs> So let me tell you, you just don't, any, there's a place in heaven called the observatory. People say, can you see outer space? You, you can't see space to the brilliance of the light that comes from heaven. But there's a place in heaven that you step through this door that says the observatory and you're out in space. Without a spacesuit or a spaceship. How about that? Is that awesome for all you want to be astronauts like me? <laughs> I always wanted to be one. I am one. I'm heaven's astronaut. Don't have to go through NASA. <laughs> and so let's go ahead and put, um, I'm going to tell a real quick story. If you don't mind me, tell the story of Marissa real quick. Um, before we do that, let's go ahead and put um, Ramey up there with the little baby. I was actually, I was, I know the names of some angels because I was introduced to them by the Holy Spirit or by Jesus. And, you know, I was being introduced to a whole world. So he certainly introduced me to some of the disciples, the apostles, not any of the people from today up there. They don't even see me when he takes me up there because they would be chasing me down the streets of gold saying, when you go back, find my mother, my brother, my sister, my uncle, my pet. 
tell them I love them, the same thing you all do to me all the time, and I say I can't go up there and find them, you still email me, I know you say you can't do this, but just in case, if you see Arthur Goodman, and this is what he looks like, please tell him his sister loves him, and I go, I'm just going to pray for her. <laughs> They're no different than you. They want you to know where they've been living. They want you to know what heaven is like. It says in the word that they celebrate. When one person comes home, a celebration, say a celebration, is a party, not a funeral. And so this is, this is Ramey. You have the thing. I can't remember what you call that thing. But it's a laser, right? Okay, I'm looking at it. Don't look at it, he says. Don't look at it. <laughs> I used to go, look, I have one. <laughs> and, uh, oh, is this is the top one? Oh, yeah, that little, where is it? There it is. I can see it. It's gone. I'm pushing the wrong one. Never mind. <laughs> this angel uh, works in the nurseries of heaven. And uh, some of the angels I have seen... Feminine, the proper term is feminine in appearance or masculine in appearance because they're not men or women, but they, they have features, some features. So there are many feminine-looking ones, and there's many, many masculine-looking ones. And then there's the host. The host with the most who make the enemy toast. That's my cheer I came up with for the army. You need to go out in your yard and look up and say that. You're the host with the most who make my enemy toast. Because that's exactly what they do. But this guy doesn't do that. This, this guy uh, works in the nurseries with the babies. They hold the little babies and they sing and the breath of God nourishes those little babies. They love on them. They carry them around. They take them for fun time in the meadows. They let them know when Jesus is coming to see them. They all love Jesus. And even babies that were aborted are in love with their parents. They've forgiven the people who did the abortion. They've forgiven their parents if they were involved in it, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes they didn't want it, but they were forced into it. But the babies are in love with their parents. And I've had so many Non-believers get saved when I tell them this. I want your baby loves you. You need to name your baby. If you know that your baby died from that, you need to name your baby. They're waiting on you in heaven. You need to know Jesus, and he'll give you that baby back when you get home to heaven. Who can understand that love? You know, it's a powerful love, but all of your babies, if they were miscarried, they're all waiting on you in heaven. They learn, to, they learn from Jesus, teaches them things. They have a kind of a little school they go to, but you don't have to teach them to walk, not to dance. They dance all the time. I already told you about them playing in heaven. They sing songs. God grows little fields of baby flowers this big. So the little ones, I've seen six babies in an angel's hand, little tiny babies, and they all have these daisies stuck everywhere in their hair. And they stick them, they love to pick them, and they put them in each other's hair, and they walk around, they're hanging out, you know, or sticking up or whatever. It's the most precious thing. And um, in book two, I have a picture of the baby's play pond, but in book three, um, I have sketched a picture of the angel's hand, and all these babies were from different nations. 
And they're all playing together in this angel's hand. And it's really precious. So they, they only live in an atmosphere of love and never face rejection, never face abandonment, never face bullying, only knowing love and growing up in the atmosphere of joy and celebration, waiting on their parents to come home. You won't have to look for them. They'll meet you at the gate. Amen? And it'll be like you were never apart. It really feels like that. If you had a sibling die maybe at two or three and you're fully grown, you're going to have, they're going to know you. You're going to recognize them. It'll be like you were never apart. Isn't that awesome? It's like we all have this mass family waiting on us up there. Um, let's go ahead and just start. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about Marissa in a minute, but I want to show you some pictures of some real angels. No, I did not take my camera up into heaven and take these pictures because I've had people ask me that. Some people will believe anything, I think. But no, um, they appear to me a lot. They begin to appear to me on purpose. Now, I've taken thousands of pictures of angels. But if they're not ones he wants me to show, the picture either disappears by itself on my camera, or it, I don't know how to explain to you, but it's like there was dimension, and the picture goes flat. Like, you know, if I took a picture of you, you could tell that you had dimension in your body, but if you take a picture of this flat book, then you would look like that. I don't, I don't ever show those pictures for whatever reason. The ones that he lets remain, he wants me to show you because he wants you to know they're really real. So uh, let's go ahead and put Rex up there. He's somebody, you may have to wait to get them up there. It says um, uh, commander of the Royal Guard. I think it says that. You don't have that one? It's not. It should be definitely on there. It may be in a different folder. It should be on the uh, flash drive because I use it to get them printed. Yeah. No, not the illustrations. It's in a file that says Angel Photos. You need to help them. It may see. It may say. It may say the unseen. But I have about six files in there, folders in there. One has nothing but photos of angels in it. Everybody's going back there. Go help them find them. You want to find them? They're on Marvin the Martian. (laughs) My flash drive is Marvin the Martian. Why not make everybody laugh, okay? (laughs) They're on there. I will talk about Marissa while they're looking. What God did with me was in the 1996, I'd lived many, many years for him. He would send me on strange assignments like fly to this airport, go to the food court. You're going to see this person and give them this word. And they would show up and I would give them their word. I would have it written down and not put my name on it and hand it to him and say, this is from God. And I would leave. And I would hear them yelling and screaming as I was running to go catch my plane that was leaving that airport. And I knew it was from God. It was something they'd been seeking him about. And um, like this guy who had come up with this amazing invention. And he said, you're going to go give him my answer about a contract that he's wanting to sign because 
he made this amazing invention. Everybody's wanting his contract, but he only wanted to have the one I wanted. He said, but I wouldn't give him my answer in the city he lived in. I made him fly to the airport that was between there and New York where he was going to meet the man before I gave him my answer. So he still had to step out in faith. He had to use his faith and believe that was God. And while he was in the food court, he was wearing like a mechanic's outfit. And he said, when he bows his head to pray, run up and say, this is God's answer. And I had 45 minutes to catch my next plane. And I'm like standing there like, you know, maybe give me a little bit more time to get to the. And I was waiting on the guy when I saw him come in. But I couldn't give him the answer until he sat down and prayed. And he was looking at the food. And I'm like, pick something, pick something, eat anything. I don't care what you pick. Just get something. And finally, he's got his tray. He goes there and sits down. And I'm like waiting, you know. I'm just like waiting. And I'm a little scrap of paper. And he bows his head, and I run up to go, excuse me, this is God's answer. And he, he jumps up, and he grabs a piece of paper, and I said, I'll see you later. And I ran to get out of the food court, and as I was running, I could hear him yell, yes, God! <laughs> and his answer was, this was the answer this guy I never saw before, yes, this is me. I want you to sign the contract in New York City. It will change lives all over the world. <laughs> and he did it to me all the time. Now, hey, that took faith, right? I, I was flying from Florida to Minneapolis. Who wants to go to Minneapolis? You know, pick like, you know, Fort Lauderdale or somewhere in California. But in the wintertime in Minneapolis, who wants to go there? And so he had, tra had trained me really to hear his voice. And so in 1996, I, he walked through the wall of my house while I was doing dishes, which I am not Susie Homemaker. <laughs> I'm a business person. And I was washing dishes, and he said, go sit down right there at your table. The Father and I are going to start taking you on tours of heaven. And I actually didn't say yes or no. I just never said no. <laughs> How many people would say yes? You better say yes. Say amen. He might do that to you. Uh, and so I sat down, and instantly he, he, he caught me up to heaven and showed me movie theaters in heaven. Reality theaters, where you go in and watch the movie, or you go down the hallway, and you walk in the door, you're in the movie performing. They don't need ratings in heaven, okay? Like R for Rotten. MPG for partly good 13% of the time. PG for partly good, G for good. That's how they interpret the ratings. Get a clue. <laughs> and so the, all the movies that I was shown were fascin fascinating. They were exciting. Oh, my gosh. They were so exciting and powerful. And it was so cool. They even have a way that you sign up to be in different parts. And, and you step in the movie. All your friends and family come to watch you in your debut. Then you go down the hallway in this one door and you're in the movie. How about that? And then he took me to the place where the movie was being captured. They don't film. It's captured. And it was a real set. It wasn't a back lot. It was a real place that he had created. People are like, how can you make this movie? If you're thinking in earth terms, forget it. Because there's no disgusting, vile, anything. Okay, none at all. You can actually make great movies with good acting without it. Amen? 
and he said, I want them to know on earth that you're going to have exciting, fascinating times up here, but they don't know what a real reality show is. So we're going to show you what reality is. And he took me to those theaters and has never stopped taking me since then. And what he would do normally is catch me up, and I would stand by people. I would see their mansion. I knew what they were uh, talking about with their friends in heaven, and they talk about you down here on the earth. They talk about their siblings, fun things they did, maybe 40 years ago in their life. And this was usually right after they passed away. They never saw me. And then God would walk me through their mansion. I knew how it was decorated. I knew what their gift was because they were using their gift in heaven. He would bring me back down to earth, and then he'd have me type it all down. That's why it was easy to write this book. It was already typed in my computer. Years and years and years of doing that. And then... And then he would have me contact the family members on earth because he would give me their names and phone numbers. If he can catch you up to heaven and show you all that, he knows every hair on your head, he knows your phone number. <laughs> and he would have me call the family members and say, I have something to share with you about your family member in heaven. And they would be shocked because they didn't know who I was. And they would sometimes say, well, who... Who are you talking about? And then I would give them their names, and there would be absolute silence. And they go, well, I don't know you. I said, well, if you want to know that, you have to let me tell you in person. So they would meet me out at a park or at the mall, but never at their home. <laughs> they never met me at their home, but they were so hungry because usually it was after somebody had just passed away, and they were probably crying out to God, I want to know where my family member is. What are they doing? Do they remember me? And I would have this whole entire thing written down, what I saw, what I heard, what they were wearing, what was on their property, uh, places that they were going to, things they said about their family members, things there's no way I could have ever known since I had never met these people before. And they, it would, they would be so shocked, and they would cry, and they would laugh. And then I would always ask them the same question, do you believe that God has shown me your family member in heaven? Do you believe what I'm saying is from God? And not one person said no. Everybody said, there's no way you could have known that stuff. Those are things only our family member would know. And then I would hand them their piece of paper so they wouldn't have to remember what God said to them. And then I would say goodbye. And then years later, Jesus walked back through the wall of my home in 2005 and sat down with me at four something in the morning because I was always up. He put his arm around me and said, the Father and I want you to write books and tell all these stories about the people we showed you in heaven. We're going to reveal heaven to the earth like we never have before. This is a time for them to know the truth and not, not, not the lies of the enemy, not what comes from the mind of man. We want them to know us. They want us to, to know what they are coming home to. And so he said, we're going to let you write these books and you're going to travel around the world and speak about it. He said, we're going to let you go to the world, but first we're going to let you meet our friends. So hello, friends of God. Because he hasn't taken me to the world yet. So where he takes me is where his friends are. So you are his friends or you wouldn't be sitting here. Say amen. And he told me that he was setting up the whole world to, re to receive heaven, the truth about heaven, in many different ways because they're hungry for truth and for hope. And I don't know of any other time when we needed hope more than now. Men, even the world 
people defend me against the religious believers that blast me. I don't defend myself. I don't have time to defend myself. And I tell people, please don't get mad at those people. Pray for those people because God loves them. They just don't know what they're doing. And so one of the most amazing times he ever took me was in, uh, in the year, it was, I think, 2000, 2001. And I had been going to heaven for many years. And our pastor's wife had called. I did hospitality at our church. We had 4,000 members, and I was head of hospitality. And I just told you I was not Susie Homemaker. And God took me from prophetic altar ministry and said, I'm going to put you as a head of hospitality, which means you're going to cook and clean dishes and serve people. And not to just a few. He said, I'm going to release hospitality into your church atmosphere, so I'm going to use you to do that. And so a lot of people that time who didn't know me thought I was the kitchen lady. And the whole time I was going on these fantastic trips to heaven. And the only ones who knew was my pastor, his staff, and some of my intercessory friends, and of course my family who didn't care. (laughs) But my mom was involved in some of them, so my mom's a great witness for me. The pastor's wife called and said, can you do me a favor? I'm going to clean this elderly woman's home. I didn't know or never met her before. She just hosted out-of-town guests for a funeral, and I want to bless her. And I know that you won't say anything, especially she knew I was going to heaven, you won't say anything, you know, that would upset her because they're going through a really hard time. Um, only thing I found out was that it was a young girl who had passed away. I knew absolutely nothing else about her. So my mom and I showed, and I actually, <laughs> my mom answered the phone, and I was hearing all this on the speakerphone, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Say no. <laughs> Say no. We had just finished like a four-day event, night and day at our church, and we were exhausted. And my mom, speaking for the Holy Spirit, said, of course we would love to do it. And I'm so glad she said that. So I was dusting the fireplace mantle, and my mother was in the kitchen or the bathroom somewhere cleaning. When you have a tribe you're raising, you get used to doing that. And so I was standing there dusting the fireplace mantle, and I hear the Lord say these words. He said, I want you to give a message. Um, he said, I'm gonna, well, he started talking about this young girl, and her name was Marissa. And he said, I want you to let this girl's mother know that I did not cause her death but I had something for her to do in heaven, so I chose to take her to heaven. And then he started talking about this young girl, how amazing she was. And then all of a sudden, I was not standing in front of the fireplace. This is how it happens. I'm always wide awake. I'm not dreaming. I was not standing in front of the fireplace. I was walking down a path in heaven. I looked 20-something years old. All kinds of activity going on, people riding on their worship, Angels everywhere going back and forth. The flowers are singing to you that you're walking past in heaven. I mean, I'm like a big kid. I'm like looking everywhere. (laughs) And the Lord said, no, I want you to focus. You get up there by those three people. I want you to listen to what they're saying. And um, he had told me before I left that it was a young girl uh, and that she had been killed in a ski accident. And he had taken her to heaven for a, a reward he had for her. And so I hurried up there. I saw the young girl. She had strawberry blonde hair, beautiful blue eyes. She looked like a teenager, and he said that she's staying with her great-grandfather. You told me that before I left. She's staying with her great-grandfather. And the man I saw her with looked like he was in his 20s. But I knew that was her great-grandfather. 
And he said he's taking her someplace to have lots of fun, and they were going to an amusement park to ride the roller coasters. So I'm going to shorten this really short. I saw them go in between these big gates. I could hear people yelling and laughing, having fun. And I saw these roller coasters that were so huge, they went up and leapt off the track, left the track, went across the sky of heaven to another part of the track. And that's where he was taking her. And the Lord said that that, that is heaven's largest roller coaster. Amen? <laughs> it's called the Rush. <laughs> That's a good name, isn't it? And he was taking her there, and I saw the young girl talking to her grandfather. He said, I wish my mother, I wish I could have said goodbye to my mother. I wish she knew that I was a youth leader in heaven, a youth leader at 13 over all the youth of heaven. She was their youth leader, and she was 13. And so I was shocked when he said that. I saw her talking to her great-grandfather, and she was talking about her mother. When I see her again, I'm going to kiss her on both cheeks. I'm going to tell her everything that's happened in my life. I'm going to be cheering her on. That girl had this beautiful blue and white tunic outfit, top and bottom on. They actually had tops and pants on. You can't ride a roller coaster in a gown. That might not work out too well. I knew what the great-grandfather was wearing, brown and green. It was really cool stuff, almost like Robin Hood kind of stuff. It was awesome. You get awesome outfits up there. And then there was another girl with her that was wearing white and yellow. I didn't know who she was. And I heard her saying all these things about her mom. And then they were heading into the roller coaster. Then I was back down in front of the fireplace mantle. We called the pastor's um, wife's secretary and told her exactly what I had seen because they're the ones who asked me to clean the house. I didn't know what to do about this. And he said, uh, the Lord had said, I want you to give Melody a message. That was Marissa's mom. So I already knew her name. I said, I don't know who Melody is. I don't know how to get a hold of her. She said, hold on. She came back and gave me her phone number. And she said, she needs this message of hope. Her she is grieving so bad she wanted to dig her daughter up. She was all she had. Now, to everyone else, this was like a crisis. It was a tragedy. But it wasn't a tragedy to heaven because of what they were gaining up there. It was her destiny. He, your days are numbered. Your days have a number. And God is the one who numbers them. So you're not going anywhere until he's ready for you to come home. And normally, when your mansion is completely finished, you go home. You don't go up there trying to find the Holiday Inn or someplace to stay. You're not going to stay with a family member. You get your own mansion because of your gift. You don't go home as somebody's wife or husband. You go home as his son and his daughter. Amen? And so I, I did call Melody, and she was in shock. She didn't know what to say, but she was so hungry to know about her daughter. She met me outside of a mall in our city, and I took my piece of paper like I always did, and I would actually have them sit down. I didn't want them to stand up. And I'd stand and hold that piece of paper, and I wouldn't even look at him. <laughs> I would begin to read off the paper what I had seen and, and shared all the stuff I had seen in heaven and what her daughter was saying. And she would just, she would gasp sometimes. She would cry. Sometimes she would laugh. And then when I was all done, I put the piece of paper down, and I said, do you believe that God has shown me your daughter in heaven? Do you believe I have met your daughter, Marissa? She said, I don't know you. I never met you. You never knew my daughter, Marissa. 
but you said things only she knew. I know you went to heaven and saw my daughter. I was crying out to God, saying, where is she living? She is too young to be on her own. What about her destiny on earth? She was wanted to be a youth leader all of her life. She mentored kids in, the, in her elementary school, mentored them. She said that she always chose, especially the unloved ones that nobody wanted on their team. She was a cheerleader in her middle school. She'd mentored all the kids. They closed both schools at her funeral and bused 2,000 kids to her funeral because they loved her so much. And I didn't know these people. They lived on the other side of our city. And so the mother was sharing all this stuff with him. She goes, but there's one reason why I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you saw my daughter. Because the day before her funeral, her funeral had just been the previous Friday when I was shown all this stuff. So the day before her funeral, I was in her room looking around, and I found a notebook she had kept from when she was like seven. And it was an assignment from her teacher. She said, I never saw how many people, parents know your kids hide homework under the bed or in the closet, and you never see it. She said she had never seen this notebook. She began to read through this little notebook with her little girl's handwriting, and she found this written on one page. Last night I dreamed I died and went to heaven early. I met my great-grandfather, and I went on roller coaster rides. I saw tons of mansions, and they were wonderful, but he only gave me a peek. So as fast as the roller coaster, I fell back down to earth. And that was dated in 1995, and this was 2001 when I was sharing this with her mother. And nobody knew about that except her mother and the teacher who had seen the assignment. And the mother told me that she had just found that notebook, and she said that, that the teacher who was at the funeral remembered the day she read that dream. And the teacher was in shock because here was Marissa, who had died early and had gone to heaven. And so, uh, and so the mother, of course, didn't know what I was going to share with her yet. But they talked about that notebook. I've actually seen the notebook. It's just a little one of those paper ones you buy in the store with the little brads in it. And it was for one whole year. Her assignment was write something special in your notebook every day of your life. And so she wrote that dream that she had that was a prophetic dream of what her life would become. So God knows the plans he has for you. Marissa did not miss her destiny. Her destiny was in heaven. And at her funeral, over 300 kids gave their life to Jesus. And so we, that story is one of the stories in this book. I didn't name the book. It's called Revealing Heaven. God chose it. He chose to put on the cover the wing of the living creature, which have eyes and all of their feathers that are around the throne that John talked about in Revelation 4. And that's what's in this book. It's evidence because nobody can stand there and say that didn't happen. Nobody can say that notebook is not real. There's too many people now that know about it. The grandmother was a big part of her life. I found out the home I cleaned was the grandmother of that young girl that went to heaven. And she helped raise her. She helped raise that girl. She wasn't living at that house then. She was living with her mother. But, uh, and the mother had just remarried. And she had had trouble having Marissa. The doctors had told her she couldn't have any more children. So I prayed for her, and God said, tell her I'm going to give her more children. And she has two nine-year-old twins with strawberry blonde hair 
and blue eyes, and they have already had encounters in heaven with their sister. Children are the easiest ones to take to heaven and show heaven. So nobody can convince them this is not real. A jury would have to say this was real because that is hard evidence that not only is heaven real, not only do you use your gifts, but there are fun places in heaven. Amen? Did you find the angels? Oh, okay. Did they Go ahead and put a couple up there, and then we're going to close, okay? I don't want you to be late to church in the morning. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I don't, there you go. How many people can see the face of that being? This is not a wispy cloud. Spiritual beings are not made out of flesh and blood like us. If you hugged one, they would feel like hugging a haystack. They give. If you hug one, <laughs> if they ever hug you. And so this one right here, this is his whole head. It's a profile. There's his chin. He has this long mustache. He has one eye there and one eye there. And uh, they're called the Royal Guard. There he is right there. He even has an eye right there on the end of his beard, right there. These are his wings. They come from his neck. He's not one of the living creatures. He, is, uh, he does have eyes in his body. All these dark spots you see are eyes. That's an eye, an eye, an eye in his wings. He has an eye right there, has one on the end of his beard, and he's actually holding a scroll right here in his hand. This riff you see is heaven, it's not earth. This deep, deep blue color. And you can see, actually have another one with other angels that came with him, but they came out of this riff right here. And there's more that came out up here. One has, you can't see them. There's one with the trumpet that's up here, over here, and one with a shofar. They're celebrating because he's been assigned with an army for the kingdom age, and those are his orders right there. That's his hand right there. And so his body, his wings come from his neck. Remember they said that they have six wings, the cherubim. They have six wings, two at their neck, two on their shoulders, and two on their feet. So not every angel has wings that come from their shoulder. A lot of angels have wings that are invisible to you. People think they don't have them. They're just invisible. Some of them fly with wings like birds. Some have wings of pure energy. Some fly with wings of color, made out of color. You know, God is not limited to this physical realm, and not all of them look like you and I. This is a member of the host of heaven, and there's a whole tribe called the royal guard that look like lions. If you have not noticed, in the skies, there are a lot of figures and faces of lions in the sky because they have poured down to this earth to assist us. They guard the royals, the priests, the lords, and the kings who will rule in the kingdom age. Amen? So this is one of them. Um, let's go ahead and show them. Um, you can show Scout. Um, Scout, their name usually depicts who they are. And Rex means royal one. Of course he is, had a commander of the royal guard. There's one that actually comes down and lays in the clouds. They have one big eye, and they record the activities of the kingdom of darkness army. And it's sent right back to Michael's headquarters. Um, this is it right here. There's its eye. See its big eye? That is a recording device. It has half of a, what do you call that, the lens that's over your eye? I can't remember what it's called. 
they, uh, it, well, it's sort of like that, but it covers over like you have the covering over your whole eyeball. Yeah, this, this angel right here, this is its nose. There's its mouth. It looks sort of like Avatar. Have y'all watched that? This is its hand right here in its arm, and this is its head right here. And these have markings. They all, angels, most angels have markings on them. It, it, it's usually a sign or a symbol of what they do. But this angel is literally a scout. Its name is Scout. And they lay in the clouds. The enemy is absolutely clueless that this is an angelic being. They see the clouds. They don't know, they don't know that it's something. And this is the recording. If you could see a picture up really close, you'd see it really clear. That recording thing in its eye actually has a face. And it's looking. It's, this angel is studying the uh, darkness and kingdom of darkness army. And it's being recorded and sent straight to Michael's headquarters so he knows what activity is going on. There are other faces right here. And other angels accompany this angel. Some of the hosts accompany this angel. And some of you who are really good can see well. This is a face. There's two eyes right there. Nose. There's its head. Sometimes you only see the head. Sometimes you only see the eyes. There's a profile of one right here. There's one right here. And what they do is they hide in there so that if they have to defend the angel against the demonic army, they do it. So these are some real pictures. You can put trooper up there. There's, you know, when our army goes to war, they have troop transports. Is that true? What do they do? They carry the troops to the battle. Is that right? Heaven has the same thing. Only there's a very supernatural. I'm trying to find my tissue. So I don't know if you can note, if you can see this, but there's his eye. He's got a mouth, a jaw and a mouth that looks almost sort of like a beak kind of thing right here. This is his eye. His head, this is his shoulder, this is his arm, and his hand is almost like a web. It goes like this. And what he does is when he comes down, he looks like a cloud, then he opens himself up. I know this is a stretch. Y'all need to be stretched. Okay? Not every angel looks like you. This is the army from heaven coming out of this angel, this being, this host. His name is Trooper. There's an angel that just came out down there. These are other army members. These stairs you see are not in the earthly realm. And the, the host of heaven go into this being. He comes down to earth. I've seen him five times. And I actually have pictures of him coming out of a cloud bank. And he's riding on the head of an Aragon. Guess what Aragons look like? Hmm? If you put a D on that instead of an A, what would that say? Aragons are from heaven, and they do look like dragons, but they're members of the host that carry the host down here into our atmosphere. I also have pictures of them. I don't know if I brought any, but I recently put one on my Facebook, and it's fantastic. And there's a rider riding on him that I took when I was at the beach doing stuff, and they were following me. How would you like them outside your house? Anyway, if you could see, if it was a little bit darker in here, all over the back of this being are ones that have already come out. They're just following him. I do not know what that is. <laughs> I never asked. But anyway, um, and if this was taken through my window, this could have been something on the dash. I tried to roll the windows down and take it, but this is a real being. This is his shoulder, 
his hand is right here, and he opens himself up, and the army begins to pour out of him. And so this is one of the transports they used to transport the troops. The people are sitting there, and I can read your thoughts. <laughs> God let them appear in their, over their house. <laughs> you don't know how amazing it is that God is releasing these. For you to see with your human eyes. I didn't see this with my spiritual eyes. And my husband, who never sees angels, was with me. Stand up and turn around, honey. Did you see this angel in the sky? Yes. And were you with me when Rex came? Yes, he was. <laughs> Yahoo! The Scotsman finally saw the spirit realm. <laughs> and then the best part was one walked past him in my house and he almost fainted. <laughs> and my mama started seeing them in our house. You can't escape it. If you invite them, you're not inviting them to worship them. They will not let you worship them. Remember the angels in the Bible that God sent and the people would fall down. They say, get up. You cannot. We worship the same God. You can't. They won't let you worship them, people. Okay? The other ones want you to. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of another one I have. Just put another one up there and I'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm trying to think, whoever, who else do I have? Scout. Oh, yes. This is an open, this, this is not the sun shining. Most open portals from heaven are in the shape of a heart. Not all of them. These are eyes looking through the other side. See the eyes? Those are eyes looking down from heaven. I counted 40 beings in this picture. This picture was taken in Kansas where the Holy Spirit first fell on students who were in a school, a Bethel school, the first Bethel school. This is before Azusa Street happened. The move of the Holy Spirit went from the middle of America to Azusa Street. This is where it entered, and that portal is still there. How many people know the past, the story of the little black pastor that was not allowed in the building at that time, but they let him sit on the back stoop and open the door and listen. This is the view. This is over the stoop. Right below this is the door and the stoop and the, that he sat on and looked in this building to hear about the Holy Spirit, and it fell on him, and he took it to Azusa Street. So this is the portal that was open right here. And these students were seeking the Holy Spirit really hard. Uh, I think it was Parham, is that correct? That had this building and he had this school. And it, so it wasn't him asking for it. The students were so hungry because they had read it. And they said, can we pursue this? We want this. We believe it was for them. We want it now. And he said, well, go ahead. Go ahead and pursue it. And it fell on them. It fell on them. And this is the portal that, they, that all of that entered in through. It's still open. When I went there to visit, I went there to see what was there. People take me places. He was in the spirit realm. I've been to Azusa Street. This massive 40-foot-wide golden staircase from heaven is still there. Angels are still posted at the bottom of it. 
and across the street was the train station. I didn't know what it was, but there were beams of uh, golden light shooting up back and forth into the sky from wherever that building used to be. And I asked the person, what was that? And he said, that's the train station where people came from all over the world to Azusa Street. The glory had accumulated there. I could hardly stand at Azusa Street. They had to hold me up. All that's left is a plaque. It's now the Japanese <laughs> have built a business park around it. Woohoo! And the glory is so strong, they had to drag me and let me stand on the sign that said, this, this, this site is dedicated to the outpouring. They put it there, the city. And the sign's still right there, Azusa Street. There's a little sign that says it's an outdoor amphitheater, and they hold all kinds of events here. Woohoo! Sign dedicated to the site of Azusa Street where the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened in America. And that plaque is there, put there by their city government <laughs> to commemorate it. And the open portals and the open heaven is still there. And where they came because of their hunger created open portals over the train station. But the original open portal, I wanted to see it. And I was taken there by somebody uh, taken there to here. And my son-in-law was with me. These are real eyes right here, right here. There's a face right there. There's one right here. This is a face that looks like Jesus. Eye, eye, nose. This is a whole face, a whole head. Below him is another face with a beard. There's dark hair. There's a beard. There's a face right there. And, and it remained. All these are faces up here in the, cor the corner of beings that came through that opening right there. There's another one right here. There's one, there's, they're all over in here. If you could look really close, there's a face right there. There's the nose, there's the eyes. And you have to, you learn after studying them. I'm, I'm eventually going to have a bunch available for you to just get for free. And you can study them until you can identify them. Then I'll send you one that's got them all outlined. He wants you to look. He wants you to look. So this is uh, the portal in Kansas where the, the Holy Spirit first fell in this school that was right there. There's still a church there today. I actually took pictures. The same doorknob is there. I actually took a picture of the doorknob. I went, and I actually touched it, and the glory was so strong on that doorknob because of that little man that was so hungry for the Holy Spirit. He was willing to sit outside because he wasn't welcomed inside. And God let him take the Holy Spirit to Azusa Street. Not the ones who were in the building. But thank God, thank God for this, that he was willing to let him sit there because a lot of people wouldn't have done that. God had to move on that, that leader's heart to let him do that. And I thank God that he was at least willing to let him do that. Amen. So you can see there's many different beings in there. Um, go ahead and put one more up there. I'm not there to choose it. Oh, yes, I will let you choose the fire angel. <laughs> How many people see the angel? This was one of the first ones we ever captured. And I would like to say I took that picture. But my sister Jen only got it because I listened to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I was going to my sister's in Jacksonville to a birthday. 
And he said, if you go the way you usually go, you will miss what I'm going to show you in the heavens. Well, I turned my car around. And we headed way out of the way, went over this. We were headed down the expressway. And this is a three-mile, I keep showing the wrong one, a three-mile bridge. We came over an overpass. And when we came, there he was. This is his head. There's his nose. His arms come from his chest. I've always said that the biggest warriors, their arms don't come like this. They're made from one thing, and that's usually to fight. And so I know you're looking for a real wing. This is his wings. This is his hair right there. There's his uh, arm coming out of his shoulder. He has legs. He's walking. And everyone could see him. These are semis. That's how big he is. He is huge. And he's walking on our river. This three-mile-long bridge is walking over it, and everyone going back and forth, they were absolutely shocked and stunned. We have eight pictures of him, and they start over here because he's moving his legs. He was walking, 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 and this beautiful color in him, and the Holy Spirit said, this is a fire angel. He's carrying a deposit. There's smoke coming out of a deposit of the fire of God that's going to hit this earth, and he's taking it to every Every major city in the world, actually. And this was, we even dated it. We like to date things. This was in 2009. And so he was the first one we showed everybody. And usually they go, well, I can't see it. I can't see it. And they go, I go to Office Max to get these printed. And, And they would almost faint. Because I would hand them my flash drive, and they'd bring them up and say, which ones do you want? And they click, and they go, what's that? I go, what do you think it is? I think it's an angel. I went, I think you're right. <laughs> and then when they saw Rex, this is like years later when they saw the, the, the commander of the world guard, which you can fully see his being, they were, they were all telling each other about the, all these angel pictures I bring in there all the time because I usually have them with me. Um, but this was such a fastly organized event by the father. <laughs> you can go on our website. We do have some of them for sale uh, for almost nothing. We, we make very little off of them. But, you know, we have people help pay for them because right now I'm not a multimillionaire. <laughs> I've actually sent an email. Someone sent me an email and said, does, does Kat have a board of directors that's over all those billions of dollars she's handling that belongs to God? Because she really needs to have some male overseers to make sure she's spending it properly. In my flesh, <laughs> wanted to jump out of my spirit. Because, <laughs> you know, my flesh is here, but my spirit's like this. I wanted to jump out and go, I rent. Do you own? <laughs> my husband drives a 1993 Jeep called the Batemobile. Would you like to get him something else to drive? (laughs) And what I said was, we do have a board. It is called the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because all this belongs to them. And by the way, I will be a multi-billionaire because he trusts me and I'll use it for the kingdom. But if he sends it, he spends it. Amen. And that was my email. (laughs) How do you like that? If he sends it, he spends it. That's always going to be true for me. (laughs) And so this is a fire angel. 
I don't know his name. I do know the names of a lot of the others, but I'm sure it's something like Blaze or Inferno or something like that. They like powerful names. They don't want... <laughs> I'm teaching them to wink. Hey, they got assigned to a human. What can I say? It's going to be different. They like the pink hair, but I'm still not quite sure what they think about me. No, they're really happy because I keep them very busy, and I hate the enemy in the darkness as much as they do. I don't tolerate the enemy in my life. I don't tolerate him anywhere I go. You have the right to not tolerate his presence when you step into a place. You take that property for the kingdom, and you clean up the atmosphere before you go in the door at the store or the restaurant or the gas station, on vacation, any journey you make on your trip, all the way there, let the, let the host of heaven torment every demon you pass by. Because you have the right to not tolerate them, okay? Jesus did not tolerate them. We don't have to tolerate them. We need to stop doing it. Say amen. amen. So stand up, please. I get used to seeing them. <laughs> they come in all different shapes and forms. Let me tell you, some are like liquids, some are like burning, some look like one of their names is Shredder. He's like 40 feet high. And all of his spiritual skin looks like little octagon-shaped pieces of glitter about this big, and a six-inch spear comes out of every one of them. And he's sewn into the camp of the enemy, and he shreds them. We need some like that down here, right? So look up to heaven and say, Father, I receive your revelation. I can't wait to get to heaven, but I'll just have to. But anytime you feel like it, I give you permission to take me. <laughs> And Father, I thank you for sending the host as part of our team. I'm going to keep them very busy, sending them to pull down the strongholds that the enemy has built in my home, in my neighborhood, in my city, and in this world. <laughs> Say woohoo! Woo Amen. And I didn't take up the offering, but if anybody would like to give, <laughs> there's the basket right there. If you want to give a check, you can make it out to Cat Kerr, K A T K E R R. That's a lioness, not a kitty cat. You can be powerful even with pink hair. <laughs> And I thank you for helping me to take this message. I am going to go to the world one day. And he's shown me visions of me being put on the roof of a building because the people were so hungry for truth about heaven. They would, they would run after me, and I would be up there with a the megaphone talking to the people. And then one day he won't let me be anywhere where people can find me. He said, I'll take you and let you share this is what he said. When this whole acceleration starts, I'll take you and let you share. I'll bring you back. I'll let you share. I'll bring you back. 
I'll let you share and I will hide you. And I'll let you share and I'll hide you and I'll let you share and I'll hide you. So I'm so glad I got to meet all of you. You know, thank you for being the friends of God. Thank you for staying and receiving. It's so important to receive what God has for you. But this message is not just about me and what I do. It's for you. And I am a living example of what you can become. God is no respecter of persons. I was not perfect growing up. I was misattitude. I have a photographic memory. I remembered everything you did wrong to me. And I knew things because I had a gift and I didn't mind telling on people. I was not popular in school. But God trained me. <laughs> burn, burn me out of me. And now I love everybody. I sinned, but I repented. If you sin, please repent. It interferes with you hearing God, being a witness. It's a lot more fun and dangerous living holy. We're about to have more fun than the world has. Amen? So thank you for coming, and I'm going to go back there right now for a few minutes, and you need the microphone. back tomorrow night and I'm going to be talking about a little bit more about the host but mainly the regions of light and the regions of darkness that will be created on this earth and what life is going to be like amen, amen. for us it will be powerful and fantastic but you don't want to miss hearing about that okay God bless you and God bless your pastors and your worship teams wherever you go if you don't have a church I would, in, I would actually encourage you to come here if you don't have a church, because this place is filled with heaven, and the worship is so powerful. Amen? And thank you. Everybody thank the pastor for inviting me. Say, God bless you. God bless your team. God bless your ministry. Amen? Woohoo! All right. Well, good night, everyone. We'll see you hopefully tomorrow night.